This is Nikki Toyamasito, the executive director of Christians for Social Action, and your host for 20 Minute Takes. This episode is part two of a conversation with Bishop David Zach Niringie. In this episode, we talk about the power of love, peace, and shalom, and what it means to work for the common good. You can find part one of this conversation with a link in the show notes. Bishop David Zachary, I appreciate um, you joining us here on 20 Minute Takes. Um, And uh, one of the things that I would very much be curious about your uh, thoughts on is you have talked about this invitation to Christians to act on behalf of the common good. And I think that um, it makes sense with some of what you're talking about with these hierarchies of power. Um, But I don't hear very many Christians. uh, uh, that, That feels like an uncommon invitation. Can you say a little bit more about what you see as either the role or the invitation to Christians as a part of uh, this common good? <laughs> that's, a difficult, that's a difficult one because I, I, I think the, one to, the, one, the first way to respond to that invitation is to stop being Christian. <laughs> <laughs> because you see, Christianity, unfortunately, is a form of religion that is so heavily invested in power patterns of dominance. That's the unfortunate thing. So I think I would really be, I, it's an invitation, I believe, to encounter Jesus of Nazareth. It's an invitation to commit to the gospel, love, justice, peace. And it's not love, justice, peace, uh, righteousness, right order of society. So I would really simply say, maybe we need to, for a moment, reimagine who, how we live that life without self-defining as Christians. Because as soon as you self-define as a Christian, you've now defined the other as non-Christian. As soon as you define yourself as a believer, you've defined the other as a non-believer. So I would say, what about we call ourselves people of faith? And then you finally discover all human beings are the only way you live in the world is by faith. The question is, what's what's the subject of your faith? You know, Uh, who is this being reality that's the subject, object of your faith. Subject is better than even object. Because sometimes we commodify, uh, we objectify uh, the, this reality by which we must live. So I, I would really say that it's, it's, it is important that we reflect deeply, self-critical, and accept that by far and large, particularly those of us who come from contexts in which Christianity has become the dominant expression of faith. We need to acknowledge that Christianity is part and parcel of power patterns of violence, patterns that dominate, patterns that build uh, 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 walls rather than bridges, you know, patterns that are about the non-being of the other, rather than it's about, so you see, as soon as you say I'm Christian and you say the other is non-Christian, you've relegated the other to be a form of non-being. So I think that that's important. And then we begin to realize it's not for us to convert the other. It's for us to tell the story of Jesus of Nazareth and live that. The telling of that story is leaving it out. And I think we'll be freer 
I am suggesting that the, relig- the institutions of the religion of Christianity are problematic right now because they are too invested in power patterns of dominance, which, let me just say this, in my reflection, I've come to the conclusion that there are power patterns invested in, that bring about constructs of violence. Constructs of violence, by their nature, they thrive on three things, in my reflection. One, they thrive on fear, the fear of the other, the fear of, even the fear of hell, Fear, fear. You know, fear becomes a characteristic way of defining why you must devote in a particular way. The second is guilt, guilt, guilt. And the third is shame. And I, and I would say that we are all, uh, as human beings in our different cultures, you can talk about cultures built on shame, and that's horrible, or cultures built on guilt, or cultures built on the fear of the other, fear. And I would say that if you think of the power patterns embedded, uh, 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 commended by the story of Jesus, is the very, very antithesis to fear, guilt, and shame. Wow. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not fear, it's love. Uh, I think it's um, uh, Paul or is it Apostle James who says, there is no fear in love, for perfect love casts out fear. <laughs> so you can't, you can't fear the one you love, you know? So this, uh, I, I could even give you stories of, of people, politicians, who've cultivated fear, and that has become the basis by which they even win political power. Yes. The other In is the guilt. U.S., we and are familiar so, with this, <laughs> how absolutely. effective this is. So, and, yes. and it's not just the U.S. I can tell you that's the story of all yes. dictators. Yes. Dictators thrive. Dictators, fascists, uh, armies, they all thrive on on constructs of violence characterized by fear, guilt, and shame. You know how when a person wants to destroy you, they first shame you, and then they make you feel guilty for who you are. And then, so, then you must fear. So these are all constructs of, of violence. And, and I, would, I would plead, this is an invitation to a different way of inhabiting the world of living together with the whole of humanity. It's about, it's an invitation to flourishing together. Flourishing together. I mean, how now shall we live? That is the biggest question. And therefore, we are asking the question, what does love look like in today's world? What does peace, shalom look like? What does the right ordering of power look like in our economies, in our cultures? What does the right ordering of power look like? Why? Because political systems in our current world are not preoccupied with those questions. How then shall we order power in a way in which it includes everyone? The flourishing of all, which I believe is the vision, cast is the imaginary within the story of the gospel revealed in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. The life in Christ is a life of love, is a life of justice, is a life of peace, shalom, flourishing. Hence, the witness, the witness of the life in the gospel in Christ is a life that should be characterized by reconciliation, building bridges rather than building walls that divide, bridges between the diversities. And it's the Holy Spirit who draws people into that story, 
into that reality. Mine is to bear witness, is to let that life be really real. And, um, in, and actually you discover, you, you even discover the, the, the beauty, the uh, magnificence of that in encountering those that are unlike you. Because it is in encountering the diversity, not only in creation, but the diversity of humanity, the one human family manifested in all our diversities that actually draws us closer to appreciating the depth of this enormous reality of who God is. God is love. God is holiness. God is peace. Wow. I mean, even as you're talking, and I'm sort of thinking of the faith communities that I know, and if they were oriented towards what does love look like lived out? What does peace look like? What is shalom? What is the full flourishing of all creation and people? Even as you're, it, it resonates to me as like, oh, I recognize those invitations, but I can't even imagine what communities. So you see, there, there are ways in which we can say it is not. So this whole idea, for example, the churches in America being built on their African-American churches, their Asian-American churches, their white Caucasian churches, there are, that is not the story of the gospel. Mm. <laughs> mm. What, what, is, what is it that you the see? Story of the, gospel, the uh-huh. story of the gospel would be Asians, Africans, white, you know, uh, Caucasians, all being in a place in which they feel they belong together. The community in the gospel, the community in the Holy Spirit is a community of diverse peoples thriving together because they discover in one another the presence of the transcendent one who is love, justice, and peace. So, in other words, we would be able to see much more diverse peoples recognize it because this is the point. You see, Paul speaks about um, the, 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 the creator being revealed in Christ as the parent of the human family to which we all belong. How do you discover that? So it really is being very intentional in how we connect with the other. To the extent that we only, that what, the way we connect with the other is characterized by fear. And by the other, I mean that who is different from you. They don't have the same culture. They are not from the same economic class. They don't come from the same geography. They, and so on and so forth. The other, the whole question of the other, that is really the test to the extent to which we are bearing witness to the gospel. Mm. Is there a picture that you have seen of some of this lived out and fleshed out? That you're like, ah, yes, yes, yes. That is pointing well, us to this I think we can start with the biblical narrative the story of the community of the spirit uh, in Philippi is an excellent example. You had an extremely wealthy woman uh, who was part of that community. You had, an, a, you had a, a freed uh, slave girl who was part of that community. You had a jailer who was part of that community. So you see diversities, and they are all in one. one, one. You know, we can go there now. We can also then look at uh, stories of communities of followers of Jesus, communities of faith that reflect diversity, where diversity thrives, and there is a sense in which there is mutual care for one another. 
And, and we can really speak about those kinds of communities uh, elsewhere. I usually find that those communities are best seen among people who are economically, in other words, people who have no power to dominate the other, people who have no such social power that dominates the other. They seem to be able to, and, and I've been, as I thought about it, is this maybe explains why Jesus said, blessed are you poor, because you have no power to dominate the other. You seem to connect with all the others because you have no fear. Of the of wanting to dominate another person, yeah. So and not and as I much find to protect, that, perhaps, or to guard, ab- and not very much to protect. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Um, so I think you can actually find those uh, in my life and work in Kampala. I always found those communities in the more depressed sections of Kampala, or even the prison. I loved my work in the prison cells because the thing about those prisons, everybody was had this one common denominator. They are prisoners. <laughs> it doesn't matter where they come from. And in a sense, they have no power. They, it's all taken away from them. And they seem to discover each other's humanity because they have no... So yes, I, I found... So it seems to me that those of us, me and you, who are privileged, who have, a lot, who have money, we have, in other words, we have power to dominate others. We must intentionally live a way in which we renounce the desire to dominate. And how do we do that is by connecting with those on the margins. The re- connecting with the margins, I believe, helps us discover the other in ways that nothing else helps you. Mm. Wow. So we go to the margins, mm-hmm. not to convert them, yes. but to experience the true power of love. Wow. Wow. Bishop Zach, thank you so much. This has been uh, tremendously helpful because I feel like you have helped take different concepts and ideas um, and, and help to, I guess you'd say, rightly order or or show some of the relationship or connection between those two um, in a way that is um, very helpful. And I think um, gets under some of the things that I think the U.S. church is feeling a little bit trapped by. So thank you so much for spending time with us here on 20 Minute Takes. I My sister, it. Nikki, it's a journey and uh, it's an invitation to a mystery, uh, an exciting adventure uh, in Christ, in God. Well, thank you very much. I'm grateful. I'm grateful that you are here with us on this journey. Thank you so much. Twenty Minute Takes is a production of Christians for Social Action. We're produced and edited by David DeLeon. I'm your host, Nikki Toyamasito, and the music is done by Andre Henry. You can find us on the web at ChristiansforSocialAction.org. Give us five stars, write a review, and share about the podcast with your friends. Mm-hmm.